if you're a Christian, you know this. You know that Jesus said to go into all the world and, and make other disciples. Or, or, or you heard it said today, go out and, and sow seed. But like how? How, do you, how did he expect us to do that? How, you know, well, one of the things that people do sometimes, they just think, well, go build like churches and then just hang out a sign and tell people, um, you know, sinners may come in here. I always love the strobe effect, don't you? It kind of gives special emphasis to what I'm talking about. That would be one way to do it, is you could build churches, and then you could say, everybody's welcome here. But I think you and I both know, especially in the time in which we live, that's not going to be the most effective way to make disciples, because the people who maybe need it the most are the least likely ones to come. So what do you do? And we've talked about this with the elders. As a matter of fact, when I came here, the leaders of the church, they asked me, you know, would you lead us in this? Would you lead us in helping reach other people for Christ? And, and I've seen this done a lot of ways. I've actually done it myself a lot of ways. Um, I like to say this. Have you ever noticed I like the sound of this? I've been a pastor for 40 years. I've been a Christian for lots more than that. I was a little kid when I was saved. So we've done about everything. We've done street preaching, bus evangelism, door-to-door -door evangelism, soul winning, vacation Bible schools, children's ministry. There's almost no really bad way there are some ways that are better than others. Maybe you've seen the, the movie. Have you seen the movie, The Gospel Blimp? It's an old Christian movie, The Gospel Blimp. And the idea behind the movie was some people got together and they wanted to win their neighbors. So they tried to think of a gimmick or a creative way, you know, to win their neighbors. And the thing they came up with was a blimp. <laughs> they, they actually dumped tracks wrapped in cellophane out of the blimp on their neighbors. Anybody seen this movie? Raise your hand if you've seen The Gospel Blimp. No. Yeah, so they dumped it. As you can imagine, this didn't go over well. I wish Leo was here for that. He would have appreciated that bit of a pun right there. I think he's ministering up in, in, uh, in uh, Eaton Rapids today. Anyway, we'll, we'll, hopefully he'll see this and appreciate that bit of a pun there. The blimp didn't go over well there. No, yeah, it didn't work. People were irritated because they had tracks in their gutters. Uh, after a while, you know, just, in other words, the, the elders here, they didn't want me to come and say, hey, Pastor Ken, do you have a new gimmick that we can use? They're sharper than that. And so, yeah, I have a friend who, who actually does open-air preaching. He's very good at it. Uh, he does it the right way. I've seen it done the wrong way. You can see it done the wrong way. Go home and get on YouTube, and you can see it done all kinds of different ways, some of which are really not very good. He actually does this the right way in open-air preaching, in parks and so forth, and he engages very gifted at it, very fruitful. That's good. How many of you feel like you could do open-air evangelism like that? You could do that. Raise your hand if you feel like you could. See, that's what I thought. A handful of you maybe, but not very many. We really need something we can all get involved in, right? If we, if, we want, if we want to obey what Jesus said, you know, go into all the world and make disciples, it's got to be something that we can actually do. That's what I encourage you today. We're going to see this in the book of Titus, chapter 3 and verse 8. That's our text today, Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. We're going to see this. I want to encourage you. I want you to leave encouraged today. I mean, unless you are just determined to be disobedient to God, which I'm sure you wouldn't be here if that's how you felt, I want to encourage you 
to you you have what you need and you can do what works if you will i want to encourage you show you how do we do this what's the message what's the method how can we go about obeying what jesus said and getting involved in that because like listen that's what we need more than anything else if you're like a young person and, and you're you're struggling with all the stuff that younger people have to deal with and that probably what you need my theory is what you need more than anything is you need to know that god is you need to know and experience the reality of the living god you got to be personally convinced there is a jesus the bible is true and how can that happen when you get involved in making disciples and you see people's lives transformed you will be convinced that the bible is true that jesus is god you need that if you're young if you're old like me you can get discouraged things don't work like they used to you're not as fast you never were that fast but you're not as fast as you used to be you kind of lose your your you lose your confidence in your own energy and ability and what do you need more than anything else you need to know if you're older that god is alive and well and at work and you need to see people's lives transformed and when you see that it encourages you you know there is a god the bible is true because he changes people's lives you need this i need this young and old boys and girls all of us this is what we need and here's my, here's one point i'm going to make here today and that is when we open titus to chapter 3 and, and verse 8 and when we kind of study what it has to say you should leave here encouraged knowing that you can be involved in seeing people's lives transformed which is evidence of the reality of the living god that should be encouraging to you so i'm hoping that unless you're just determined to disobey him and i'm sure you're not that you will leave here encouraged I'm glad that Josh said what he did today. Josh, are you in the room or did you go down? Did Josh go down to minister to kids or is he? Pardon me? Where are you, Josh? There you are. Thank you. I'm so, thank you. I'm so glad you said what you said because it's how I felt about Bethel. I love this church. And it's, because, it's not because of the building, even though it has a wonderful building. I wouldn't you love to have a building like this for your ministry in Spain? That'd be awesome, right? But it's not at the church. It's not the location, which is good. It's not the pastor, because, like, it didn't have a senior pastor when I came here. So I didn't come here for the pastor. It was the people. It was the people being real Christians, being loving. I mean, I think if you nailed it down, Josh, I think you, I, you and I would agree. If we had coffee and we say, well, what is it about Bethel people that made you love them? Like, it was probably because you sensed that they had genuine love. That, you know, if, if Bethel is a cluster of jesus followers who really do that we're, you know we're not perfect we would never say that but we really are sincere about following the lord and he really has he's progressively like changing our lives or transforming us that would be bethel at its best and what i see when bethel is at its best or, or really any church is when the people are really being jesus followers they're being jesus people okay grab your bible you need we need to get in the text here grab your bible look at titus chapter 3 and verse 8 we have three more messages including today in the series titus the little red book of church and today what we're going to do is we're going to look at verse 8 but we're also going to survey back through the whole book two times showing you what is god's message that he wants churches to have and what is God's method that he wants us to do? This stuff that you can have a part in, you can, you're not going to get beat up today. You're not going to get badgered today. You're not going to get beat down today. You're going to be encouraged that 
God has made it possible for every common person to have an uncommon spiritual, supernatural ability to be involved in doing something that transforms people's lives and convinces us in the reality of the living God. That's kind of cool. Be encouraged here. If you're sincere in your heart as a follower of Jesus, you have what it takes. This is what we're going to see. I'm going to show you the message. I'm going to show you the method. And, and just to state it simply, it's going to be good news is the message. And can you guess what the, what the method is? Good works. The message is good news. Say it with me. The message is good news. And the method is it's that simple. That's what Titus, I'm going to prove that from Titus today. And the, and, the, and the message, which is good news, and the method, which is, is what anybody can do. God has already, if you're a believer, already supernaturally gifted you to be involved in it. You might be sitting here today going, Pastor, I'm kind of discouraged right now. Some heavy stuff is happening in my life right now. My, you know, maybe you have a job problem, or maybe you have a car problem, or maybe you have a husband problem, or a, or a wife problem, or a no husband, or a no wife problem, or you have a drug problem, or you have an alcohol problem. I, just, I don't know what it is. I will say God of the universe who made you has invited you into something that is very satisfying and very joyful, and you can be a part of this whole good news, good works thing. So now, let's read chapter 3 and verse 8, and then we're going to kind of go through Titus a couple times quickly to show you these two themes in Titus. So the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Did you catch it? The saying is trustworthy. Paul writes to Titus. The saying is trustworthy, the one that he just got through saying about the gospel. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Say, I can do that. Say that. How many of you, let's vote. How many of you like it when pastors tell you to say things? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, you won't hurt my feelings. You don't like it when pastors tell you to say things. Raise your hand. You don't like, okay, all right, okay. So if I ever say, say this, and you don't like it, then don't say it. Just chill. You're good, all right? I'm just trying to keep you awake. That's my job, keep you awake in church. But we're, so you can devote yourself to good works. I, you, you can think to yourself if you don't want to say it, I can do that, I can do that. That's important, because that's, that's the method. The message is good news, and the method is Good works, yeah. And so it says, these things are excellent and profitable for people. This is good. It's good for everybody. That's what I'm trying to tell you here. Now, all you notice these things, these, these two things, uh, real clearly in the Scripture, this is a rare two-point message. Two points, not three. Two very long points, but not three, okay? Point number one is good Good news is the message. That's point number one. Let me show you that. Sometimes the way the Bible works, the main idea is stated at the beginning of a passage and at the end. It's sometimes the literary structure. Sometimes there's another common literary structure in the Bible where you build up to the main point in the middle and you echo it out. That's kind of way Titus is. The heart of Titus is in the middle where you, it builds up to this great 
beautiful kind of like you're climbing the mountain and you reach the peak and you look around and go oh. and what you see in the middle of Titus is the gospel expressed in one of the most beautiful ways you will ever read it in the Bible and you see this in Titus 2 11 for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and and to live self-controlled upright godly lives in this present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous of good works. Declare these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority. Don't let anyone disregard you. And then you will notice in chapter 3 and verse 3, for we ourselves were once foolish, and disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound like bad news or does that sound like good news? Yeah, that's good news. That's a good message. That's good news. Our message is good news. The gospel is to tell people that their sins can be forgiven by receiving the gift of eternal life, by believing in Jesus Christ. That's the message. It should never change. And that's good news. It's just plain good news. Let me illustrate that with an old story that I remember as a child. So here was a very, it probably wasn't true, it's just a great story, right? So here was a very, very, very wealthy man. And his wife died. They had one boy together. They cherished this boy. They loved this one child that they had. But then, tragically, he died, and the man was alone. But he was a very, very wealthy man. And so when he died... There was an auction for his estate because he had no heirs. And everyone came to this auction because they knew that this wealthy man had a beautiful home and beautiful wealth wealth and, and possessions and this, all of this estate would be up for auction. And, and when they came into the auction, there was a, there was a painting. It was, a, it was a, 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 not a professional painting, but a friend had painted a portrait of the rich man's son. And this painting was sitting there on an easel. And they opened the auction, and they said, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to auction off this painting. Does anyone want this painting? But none of the people that came really cared about that boy, except the old housekeeper. And she said, yes, I would love to have the painting. And I think she says... I bid $20. And the auctioneer says, are there any other bids? And then there are no other bids. And the gavel drops, and he says, now you own that painting. And then he drops the gavel again, and he says, and the auction is over. And there was a big, there's a big surprise in the crowd, and he said, according to the will, the one who buys the painting of my son can have everything I own. Friends, listen, that's what happened when you and I believed in Jesus Christ, God's Son. All the wealth and the riches of heaven were immediately credited to our account. Is that good news or bad? That's good news. That's beautiful news. That's news that we ought to tell other people. That beats the weather, whether it's good or bad, or whose team won. That's good news. That's our message. The auction is over, and if we have the Son, we have everything. Now, how should we go about convincing other people or making known that to other people. This is really interesting. 
If you look in your Bible, look in chapter 1 and verse 16, and in chapter 1 of Titus and verse 16, it's talking there about the, the men who are disqualified to be leaders, and it says, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and listen to this, they're unfit for any good work. What's wrong with a false teacher? They're unable to really do good works. Their works are insincere. Works are the method. They're not the message. We don't say, do good works and you get to go to heaven. The Bible specifically, in this passage and others, specifically says that's not true. We don't gain heaven by our good works. But if we are believers, we will do good works. And if we are disqualified for any good work, it means we're not believers. That's chapter 1 and verse 16. Look at chapter 2. And, and verse 7. So, chapter 2 and verse 7, likewise, younger men are to be self-controlled. Show yourself, Titus. Paul says to Titus, show yourself in all respects to be, what? A model of good works. Was good works possible for Titus? Yes, it was. Was it expected of Titus? Yes, it was. So, you see the thing that disqualifies a pastor if his works are insincere or if there are no good works or disqualifies an elder. thing that that is a qual obviously a qualification is he's involved in good works. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I, I get reports all the time of the good works in this church. I get them all the time. Just people say, because you know, they'll, they'll tell me what somebody did for them. They brought them a treat, or they visited with them, or they helped them financially, or, or they helped them get their car fixed, or they helped them cut wood. I just hear it all the time. That's because people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit prompts them to do good. In the power of the Holy Spirit, they go and do good. People are blessed that way. That's the program right there. It's good news, and it's good works. Uh, and there you have in chapter 2 and verse 14, notice this. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from lawlessness, purify for himself a people for his own possession. And these people are characterized by what? They're zealous for good works. They're really into doing good works. They're not saved by their works, but the method is good works. They go and they do good things. They do they, here, here is the plan that we came up with, the evangelistic strategy. We decided we wouldn't try the bus ministry, even though there's nothing wrong with that. We wouldn't really do door-to-door -door soul winning because everybody isn't really very good at that, and not everybody will open their door. We decided that we wouldn't do street preaching because street preaching isn't something that we could kind of all do effectively together and open air. These are all good things. We decided there were some outmoded means and methods that people used in the past. Here's what we came up with. I recommended to the elders in the very first meeting when I recommended it, the elders unanimously adopted it. I go, I love this church. I love this church. It took us a year to get to that, which was good, but it took us one session to get to what I'm going to tell you right now. We said this. Let's do this. Let's make this our way of doing evangelism as a church. Four things. Pray, love, invite, and gospel conversation. So this is what we just said. The method here is, is the idea here of how are we going to give the gospel to other people is as the, the elders and as the pastors, as the leaders, we're going to start praying for people who don't know the Lord. And we're going to always pray for people who we love, who don't know the Lord. And what we're going to pray is we're going to say, God, how do you want me to love them? You see, this is where the good works comes in. You get it? It's right here. How do you want me to love them, Lord? And it's a simple prayer. Anybody can do this. If you're elderly and you're, and you're confined to a home and you can't get out of your room that much, you can pray, right? And then if somebody comes in your room, you can love them. 
And then there's the invitation. Sometimes it's appropriate to invite to a concert or to church or to something. And then there's that gospel conversation, which we all want to get better at. And one of the ways you can do that is come to church, listen to the pastor, and then adopt the language that he's using for the conversations that you have. Or like the stand-up conversation over the back fence with your neighbor, or the sit-down conversation when they actually want to sit down in a restaurant, and you can explain the gospel to them. And, and there's another secret to that that I'm not telling you till next week, so you must come back. That was the trick, a two-point message, but you got to come back next week. Um, but this is the thing, pray, love, invite, gospel conversation. You see this in Titus. You get it? The gospel is so richly expressed there. And the love is the, uh, the, is the good works. Another, you, can, you can take good works out and you can replace it with acts of love. What do Christians do? They, they care about people who don't know the Lord. And they love them the way God, however God gifted you to love, you love them that way. Whatever God gifted you with, you love people with that. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do, you do that with them. You, some of you guys and gals are sitting here and you go, man, it's almost spring. I turn on the television and I watch the azaleas blossom down in Georgia. I can't wait till, you know, mid-August when they blossom here. And I'm going to go out and golf when I do that. And, then we, and we go, well, well, good, go and sin no more. Go out and golf, why don't you? And while you're golfing, you might pray and thank God for what a beautiful day it is. Or you might invite somebody along with you who doesn't know the Lord, and you might love them while you're golfing, you know? And just saying, if you like barbecue, I've made a career out of barbecue. If you like barbecue, you can go eat barbecue alone, or you can invite people with you to eat barbecue and encourage them while you're eating barbecue. Or you can do it like I did it this week. I got invited to eat barbecue, and he insisted on picking up the tab. So it was a good day. It was a very good day. Then he apologized later in a text. Sorry about picking up the tab. I'm like, that's okay, you know. You just had to do it, I guess. What am I getting at? I'm getting at you don't have to do some kind of heroic thing like be Billy Graham tomorrow. You do what the Spirit prompts you to do to love other people. Good works are the method, and anybody can do them. But understand this. They're Spirit-inspired and Spirit-empowered good works. It's not just golf. It's spirit-inspired, spirit-empowered golf or fishing or, or whatever it is, the visit that you're making or the good work that you're doing or whatever it is that kind of thrills you that you do. There was a lady who was a teacher. She said, I'm really not very good at doing anything else. I know the parts of speech. Somebody said to her, well, there's a boy in the hospital, and he, he got involved in an accident. He was burned terribly. Why don't you go, and while he's immobile, why don't you teach him the parts of speech? She said, okay, seems silly to me, but I'll do it. True story. Went up to the hospital, went in. Here was this boy, terribly burned, really kind of hanging on to life and very discouraged. And she started teaching him the parts of speech. She left. A few days later, she came back, and the nurses, when she walked in, they all turned and said, what was it that you did when you were here the other day? And she thought, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just taught him the parts of speech. That's all I really know how to do. They said, well, everything turned around. When you left, everything turned around. All his vitals went up. He's going to make it. Later on, after he got better, he explained what happened. He said, I was laying there, thought, they're just watching over me till I die. But then a lady came in and taught me the parts of speech. And, she, and he, I said, I thought to myself, they would not teach the parts of speech to a dying boy. They must think I'm going to live. And he rallied and he lived. When you take whatever it is that you have, 
and you give it to God, it's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you get to be a part of that beautiful thing that's going on. When people are being transformed, you see the reality of the living God, you experience it yourself, you're actually on the team, you're a player, you're involved, no matter who you are, what you do, or what you can't do. That's kind of cool. That's why I love this book of Titus, the little red book of church, less than 50 verses, and it says, you want to be involved in the work of God, get the message right. It's salvation by grace through faith alone. And get the method right. Go out and love people and tell them that message. That's it. I love the simplicity of that. So this is the way. Oh, I need to go on. So look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, obedient and ready for what? There it is again, every good work. Look in chapter 3, and now in verse 8, this is our text today, that we are careful to devote ourselves. He said, teach them to devote themselves to good works. This is a true saying, have them embedded in the soil of love, of good works. He says it again in chapter 3 and verse 14 toward the end. All, right at the end, as if he doesn't want them to forget, he says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Now, in case I haven't said it enough, this is how I want to encourage you today. God, if you're a believer, has given you the Holy Spirit. Along with the Holy Spirit, he's given you gifting, interest, aptitudes. He's supercharged, supernaturally, some ability you have. When you do it, you feel the pleasure of God. It might be simple service. It might be storytelling. It might be teaching. It might be just simply helping people. It might be listening to people. It might be praying for people. It might be giving to people. It might be fixing a car. It might be just a word of encouragement. But when you do it, you just sense God is in this. When you do that for God, he's promised to, to especially prompt you to do it at the right time in the right place with the right person cooperating with what he's already doing. And he promises there will be fruit from that. It's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's all good. This is kind of cool. You get it? You should be encouraged today. You should be discouraged. I don't know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, wait a minute, Pastor, that sounds good for you. You can go around doing all that kind of flowery religious stuff all day. But I actually have to go out and earn a living so that you can do what you do, right? Well, I give my money to God in the offering and it pays your salary so that you can be a full-time Jesus guy. But me, I actually have to go out and I have to commute a couple, three hours a day. And I have to work. And it's a not very friendly place. You understand, the simplicity of good works means that you can be doing that all the time even when somebody else is paying you to be a lawyer or to be a teacher or, or maybe you're retired. Do you see what I'm saying? You can do good works wherever God has placed you. There are people that are there. And God is at work not just when you're off the clock, but he's at work when you're on the clock. John Piper wrote a book, Don't Waste Your Life. On this, I think in chapter 7, he said, how to, he has a passage in the book, How to Glorify God in a Secular Vocation. And he goes through a beautiful way of seeing your work, your secular work, your regular work that you do, and how to glorify God in it. This will... This will, will hearten you. This will encourage you. This will put a spring in your step. This will give you joy. You're not just a prison guard. You're God's prison guard. You're a spirit-filled prison guard. Is that the right thing to call prison guards? Is that a bad way to say it? You work, a, you work in the prison, but you are God's representative in the prison, right? You work in software, but it isn't just software to you. It's the place where you show obedience to God. It's the place where you show reverence for God. It's the place where you act 
in purity toward people of the opposite sex. You're a representative of the king. It changes everything. You see, you do the good works, and you have the message ready all the time. It's very heartening. One of our guys here uh, was very, very tired. And, and I asked him if I could tell the story. He said he's very, very tired, and he had a lot to do, and he was getting very, very little sleep. And he heard me say that God will give you whatever you need to do, whatever he's asked you to do. And I was thinking more like, you know, money and stuff like that. He was thinking what I need most is sleep. And then he noticed that a neighbor was struggling to get his car started. And he actually kind of says, like, you know, he's kind of irritated with me for suggesting that he should help his neighbor. So he's sort of irritated, and he's kind of jokingly irritated with me, but he says, well, I'm going to go help that guy. And he goes and he helps his neighbor, right? And the neighbor requires more help than he realized. It takes him longer than he expected, so he's going to get even less sleep. Finally, when he gets back to his house, he says to the Lord, you know, you're going to have to help me here because you're going to have to multiply my sleep. And the pastor was saying, you would give me whatever I needed if I served you. You know what he told me? He said, when he laid down, he went to sleep. I think he says, I slept for six hours, but it felt like eight. God gave me what I needed. That's what I'm trying to say to you, and that is the simplicity of this is beautiful. It's encouraging. Everywhere you go are people who need the good news and who won't mind you doing good works. In other words, people who need the Lord and wouldn't mind you loving them. They're not going to object to that. We don't argue people into the faith. You know, we love them. And by deeds of love and mercy. Remember the old song, Lead on, O King. We used to sing this in church, Lead on, O King Eternal. The day of march has come. It says, with not, not with swords loud clashing, a roll of stirring drums, but deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom comes. When I was a boy, I thought with the Salvation Army, you had to have a gun. I said, I'm in a Salvation I put a gun on my shoulder. I told my sister, I'm in a Salvation Army. She said, you're an idiot. They don't have guns in the Salvation Army. She's a lot nicer now. She said, you're an idiot. They don't have guns in the Salvation Army. You know what they have in the Salvation Army? They have deeds of love and mercy. And you've heard about them all over the world, haven't you? This is what God said to do. This is right. This you can do. You can do this. You can say, God, I have a little extra. I'm going to give it to somebody who needs it right now. You can say, God, I got a minute to take a phone call to somebody right now who's just like really discouraged right now. And I can call them on the phone and do those good works. That's the plan. It's such a beautiful plan. I love this. It's so beautiful. And so that's part of the answer of the frustration that you might have when you feel like you have so much work to do and you're so busy. It's while you're going about your work and all of that business that God has allowed in your life that you do good works and you're ready, you know, with the gospel. Joe Aldrich was the president at Multnomah School of the Bible. He wrote a really good, two great books on evangelism. One was called Lifestyle Evangelism. The other was called Gentle Persuasion. Really good books. In the books, he talks about this, the importance of good works in order to help people understand the gospel. And this is the way he said, and I like this, you, you'll know why when I read it, bake bread, bake pies, bake cookies, bake muffins. You see why I like this? Fix garbage disposals or toilets. Help people with their homes or projects. Celebrate with people. Grieve with people. Done in the name of Christ, these actions become spirit-empowered weapons which are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's the way God uses us to help other people. We, we love them. We're good to them. We listen to them. We do good things. You, you can do this in church, and you should, and you can do this in everyday life. You can, in the church, you can help with meals. This smells like tacos here right now because people's laboring to have a nice meal for us to enjoy as soon as I finally get done talking someday. Um, you can help with cleanup. Like, you can do this today. Um, you can help with setup. 
too late for that today. You can help with organization. You can help with a security or safety team. You can help with babysitting so a young uh, person could go out and, and do something else and get a little, you know, a little bit of rest so they better mom, better dad when they come back. Maybe you, you know, are in an empty nest and you long for a little bit of noise in the house. There are young couples that would give you noise. They would happily let you have some of their noise. You can buy them a gift card to a restaurant. You could, you could have a happy time with their children while they're gone. And then, they, then everybody would be refreshed. You'd be refreshed when the kids went home and uh, they would love you, you know, for taking care. Just think about it. Just when you start thinking creatively about good works that you could do, it isn't really that hard. One of our brothers, I don't want to embarrass him, but he went and visited a friend yesterday. I visit people all the time, but he said, I brought him a shake. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? I said, was that a shamrock shake? He said, no, it was chocolate. So you see what I'm saying? You could just like, you could just stop by and pick up a, a, you know, I don't know, many of you have done this. What a beautiful thing. In the church, you can, you can help make coffee. You can help greet. You can help with our, with our middle school uh, uh, young people, our high school young people. Out in everyday life, you can give whatever talent you have or, or time. You, you get this. I, I'm probably overstating it. But we don't really overpower people to win arguments. We love them. This is what First Peter says. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Gentiles, in this case, obviously was a reference. You know, we're Gentiles, most of us, I think. But it's a reference in, in the scriptures here to, you know, people that we consider unbelievers, lost people. Let your conduct among those lost people be honorable. That when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify your father that's what jesus said in his great discourse on the sermon on the mount let your light so shine before men they'll see your good works and they'll glorify your father which is in heaven we're living in a time when christians are going to have a lot more you know pushback perhaps not persecution yet but certainly pushback it's important now that we devote ourselves to good works not just shrill talk but good works so they see the Jesus people are the people that are kind and nice and loving and healing and good. The Jesus people are the people who forgive. As a matter of fact, that's our next series after Easter. It's called Jesus People. And we're going to go through the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and see what it would be like in a place where people gathered and they decided we're going to be the Jesus people. We're going to act like Jesus. We're going to do what Jesus said. And it's a beautiful thing when you think about that. And I, I did that not too long ago when I was on the road traveling in my Jeep and going from place to place to preach. I, I thought about Jesus one night. I was laying down in bed in, a, in somebody's basement. It was a little really dark. So I woke up in the night, and I couldn't remember where I was. I really wanted to know where the bathroom was most of all, but I didn't know where I was. You didn't want to know that. I'm sorry. It's like two weeks in a row. My mom's going to get, I'm going to get in trouble with my mom. Anyway, um, I, I wake up in the night. I'm like, where am I? Oh, yeah. When I would go to bed at night, I lay down my head, and, I, and every night that summer, I had this little ritual. I would lay down my head on a pillow, and then I would say these words. The Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. The Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. And the reason that was so comforting to me was I kind of thought, I'm kind of being like Jesus this summer. I'm just traveling, and I'm preaching. And he didn't have a place to lay his head, and I don't have my own place to lay my head. It's something wonderful about saying, I'm just doing what Jesus did. And I said that to say this. In the book of Acts, Peter's preaching. And he says something about Jesus that's beautifully put. It's always an encouragement to me. I want to share it with you. He says, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he went about doing good. Listen, I know things might be hard for you right now in your life. I know that you might have a lot of question marks for the future. 
You're not as young as you used to be. Things aren't working out the way you expected them to work out. But you aren't alone. God is with you. God has gifted you. God will speak to you. God will use you. There are people who need you. There are people that will let you love them. They're everywhere if you look for them. This will give you great encouragement in your soul. This will give you great purpose in your heart. This is, what God, this is God's beautiful, simple plan for all of us, the good news and, and good works. And David and Jason Benham are a couple of guys that, that speak. They're amazing guys. They're young, sharp, athletic guys. Anybody ever heard them? I'm in a speaking circle. I, I, I've been in speaking some places where they've spoken. And I remember when I met them, they're like, I knew your dad. I knew of your dad and, and of his work. His, their dad's name, Flip Benham. David and Jason, these solid young guys, and they're twins, and they speak together. So it's, it's a pretty crazy thing to see them speak together. But their dad, Flip, was involved in a, a thing called Operation Rescue. And Operation Rescue was an anti-abortion thing, if you recall. But they did more than just oppose abortion. Flip Benham would actually go out. So when, when he would be there at the abortion clinic, there would be pro-abortion people that would come to the clinic. So it was a real showdown. Here you've got the anti-abortion people, and you have the pro-abortion people, and they're clashing. Among them is a woman who shows up one day, and her name is Norma McCovey. Norma McCovey is pro-abortion as a matter of fact, she is the Roe in Roe versus Wade, the great Supreme Court decision that made abortion legal in America. And she's there protesting in favor of abortion. So she's on the other side now. She's like the enemy. Flip Benham goes over to her and introduces himself. And he begins to take her like treats. He begins to bring her and the others are bringing her gifts and, and things. They, they befriend her. Not long after that, Norma McCovey was, became a follower of Jesus Christ. And Flip Benham baptized her. The picture of this you can see on the internet. He baptized her, and then she began to, as she turned from a very dark, sinful life to Christ, and it wasn't because Flip Benham badgered her about abortion. That wouldn't have worked. It was because he loved her. She died not too long ago went to be with the Lord, died professing faith in Jesus Christ because somebody loved her. What am I telling you today? I'm saying, keep Bethel, you're doing this. You were doing this before I got here. This is what you should be doing. This is what you should keep doing. Keep doing what you're doing. It's the right thing to do. We want to do it more. We want to do it better. We want to do it with, we want to set aside other things and do that. Sometimes I have a discouraging day. The other day there was a part of my ministry that I don't think I did very well, so I went home kind of discouraged. Got in bed, I thought, wow, I'm not very good at that. Tomorrow, I feel like I'm going to go and see how many people I can encourage because I feel like maybe I'm good at that. I'm just going to fill my day. I'm going to go about doing good. That's what we're saying. You figure out how to do good. You go about doing good like Jesus did. And watch what, these are spirit-empowered things that God will use to transform other people's lives. Won't happen overnight. Don't be discouraged. Doesn't, you know, you know when you're in the ministry 40 years, you've got these stories to tell. That's because you had 40 years to work with, right? Don't be discouraged if you don't, you know, if you don't like have some miraculous thing that you see happen this week. You keep being faithful and God will take care of the miracle part of it. You just do the obedience part of it, and, and you take whatever it is. That, even if you're a kid, and you do what it is that you do, you keep it simple, and you keep it up. You keep it simple, 
and you keep it up. The message is good news. The method is good works. Let me say it like this. There's this little boy once who, he had his face disfigured in a terrible accident. And so because of that, you know, he, he never wanted to go out in public because, you know, when people would see him, especially other little children, they would mock him. They would make fun of him because his face was disfigured. And so he just was kind of a recluse. But he heard about Disneyland, and he, and he said to his mom, he said, I want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> and she thought, well, that, we'll do that, but, you know, there's going to be people everywhere. You know, she thought to herself, they're going to see him. Probably some people are going to point him out. Maybe even some people are going to make fun of him. But he wanted to go to Disneyland, so they took him. So when they got there, you know, they got out and they went in, and he wanted to see all the characters. He wanted to see Cinderella. And there she was. She came sweeping out, and she was absolutely perfect. Everything about her was perfect. Her eyes were perfect. Her form was perfect. Her figure was perfect. Her hair was perfect. Her dress was perfect. She was the perfect human being. She swept around the corner, and everyone was kind of look, looking at her with, like, awe. And then she turned, and she saw this little boy with a disfigured face. And she immediately just swept over to him, and she took one knee, and she took his face in her hands, and she kissed him right on the disfigured part of his face. It's as if she knew exactly what to do. Friend, here's what I'm trying to tell you today. You and I are just regular folks, but God, God gave us the Cinderella outfit, or maybe if you want to say, he gave you the Superman outfit. You get to go out in the world where people's faces are disfigured by sin and hurt. And you get to bless them. And we know we're just us. That's all we are, just regular people with regular gifts. But we're possessed by the Holy Spirit. And we have spiritual gifts. And we can listen to what he tells us to do. And we can go where he tells us to go. And we can see people's lives transformed. And we can know forever we were a part of that. So you should leave encouraged today. And we're going to eat together. So please, don't go spending money somewhere else. We've already spent money for your lunch today. A nice uh, taco feed downstairs. There's room for everybody. You know, don't go away. I'm putting pressure on you. That kind of social pressure. Stay with us. We're not done because what the, the purpose of our meal today is to hear of God's work that's going to be there in Spain. So you, you want to enjoy the meal, enjoy the fellowship, and, and hear about God's work. What I want you to do now is I want you to stand with me as we're going to pray. And, I, and I, I, want to con, I want you to consider, um, a, 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 we're just going to, like, we'll just end with prayer today. We'll just end with prayer. And so I, I want you to consider, um, a, maybe, a, can I just suggest to you a prayer that you, you pray to God? You know, I said, you know, keep it simple and keep it up. What if you were to say to the Lord today, it's like, I'm just me, but I'm all yours. What if you were to say to the Lord today, I'm just me, but I'm all yours. You, you, you use me. I'll do good works. I'll give the gospel as I can. I'm just me, but I'm, but I'm all. It'd be kind of a cool prayer. Well, you pray whatever you want to pray. But I want to suggest that. And then when we come to the end of our service here today, after I pray, then there are going to be prayer teams at the front. And you may want to come, and, and you may need some prayer. And you want to, want to come. If you're here today, and maybe it's really unclear whether or not you're a follower of Jesus, you just aren't sure about that, let's take care of that today. So somebody's going to be here, a couple's going to be here, a couple's going to be here. You go up and, and talk with them, and, and you just say to them, pray with me, I, I want to follow Jesus, and they'll help you. And you can, you know, leave today knowing that you're right with God. That'd be awesome, right? Somebody here needs that. You come forward. Or, or maybe you're just like, you're hurting, and you need somebody to pray with you. So we take that seriously, and then, and then we'll wait for you downstairs, and you come downstairs, we'll all eat together, it'll be a great day.
So I'm going to pray right now and uh, trust the Lord to work in your heart right now. Lord, I, I know there are people who are here who are unsure of their salvation. Lord, I pray that wouldn't go on another day, but they would know that they would know that they're a child of God, their sins are forgiven, and they have a place in heaven when they die. I also pray, Lord, that you would encourage us, even though sometimes we just feel discouraged, we feel like what we're doing maybe isn't working or doesn't really matter, encourage us that there's power in the good news and in good works. And, that, and I, Lord, Lord, we want to we be a part of that. And we pray, Lord, that you would allow us to serve you in that way. And we thank you, Lord, uh, for the food that we're about to eat. Uh, I pray for uh, Josh and Brenda as they share with us more what's on their heart about what you're going to do with them in Spain. And I pray your blessing on that time as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you downstairs.